Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment presents The Process. And welcome back to your home for football and fantasy football, where we learn, scout, win, and repeat. Time to continue the process, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Ralph Lark. Thank you so much for joining me. Excited to be here for episode 13 of this second season of The Process, or as we'll formally call it, NFL Week 3. Hopefully Week 2 went fabulous for you guys as it did for me. One and one in my home seasonal uh, leagues there, but it was a tough route and we'll talk about that a little bit. DFS, we cleaned up, kicked some butt. Our picks were right in line with what we thought would happen and hopefully that is what transpired for you as well. I am your host, as I said, and guys, there's a couple of ways to listen to this podcast if you're new to this. First of all, welcome. Thank you for joining us. But come on board. Be a Tiger Bomber each and every week. That's just my little nickname that I have for you guys. So if you want to be on the train, a couple ways to find us. First and foremost, www.tigerbombsae.com. That is our website. Everything that Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment does is there. All of our company information is there as we're in the process of formally moving the company from Illinois to California. But you can find this podcast on the process page. You just click on the link for the process and it will take you right to everything to do with the process. This podcast, my weekly picks. Guys, I'm getting the weekly picks up ASAP. You will have them before those games, but it's just been a little tough transitioning over the weekend you have family in, you're doing work things, stuff like that. So, But we're going to keep up with it and make sure that in enough time to research, you have this information ahead of you. And I definitely want you to see what my results have been when picking these games so you know to trust the process. That's why it's important that I keep putting up the, re- you know, the, the record that I uh, result in each and every week. So First and foremost, that is where you find the process as well as the other things from Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment. Now, if you are somebody who likes to listen to your podcast on an app, we got you covered. Whether you are a Spotify person, iTunes, whatever your deal is, um, we're going to be there for you. Stitcher, all of it. You search for us the same way, Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment. And as more of you are starting to do it, I've noticed, because I was helping somebody at work do this yesterday, it's almost to the point now where you can start typing in just Tiger Bomb. And it'll start to pop up. But to be sure, go ahead and type it out. Tiger Bomb Sports Audio, audio, not audio, entertainment. And you can like and subscribe to the podcast there. This way you can catch all the new episodes and get the updates as those new episodes are available for you. Now, if you are a, um, I guess, social media kind of person, we still got you covered. If Facebook is your deal, hit hit our page up there. And you can sort of get all the breaking news. I try to keep up with it that way, of course, um, as well as any funny memes. We had a poll going this week. Who's who's greater? Um, who's the GOAT? Tom Brady or Ric Flair? And it was sort of a joint poll we had going with The Countout, which is just another uh, podcast developed here at Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment. That podcast is hosted by Marco so or Sharko. We had a poll going with the countout. So if you hadn't had a chance to vote, you want to check that out. You can on our Facebook page and um, Twitter as well. Uh, the process is on Twitter. If you want to get a last minute tweet in, you got some stardom, sit questions that you didn't feel like were answered on the podcast. 
um, you want some banter during the Sunday games, you can search for the process the same way on Facebook and Twitter, and that's going to be at the process TBSAE. And finally, if you need to email me, you got some extended question, you want to set up some league scenario and get my advice, you have some idea for a segment that you would like to hear on the process, you can email me here too. The process at tigerbombsae.com. That is the direct email for the show. And you know, once you sign up, uh, you can actually go to the website and you can sign up for our newsletters. Guys, um, full disclosure, there is none yet. I can only do so many things. But at, at one point, I would like to be able to start to send out some information. Maybe it's something we use in the off season to kind of keep you guys you know, topically informed as I go through my research, because as you well know, I'm well ahead of it before you, so I'm ready when you're ready to start listening to it. So just some ways that you can keep it with us, the process at tigerbombsae.com. Okay, that's all the important stuff out of the way. Now we should just jump right into week three because we have so much stuff to talk about. And we're gonna start with a segment. I wonder if you noticed that it wasn't here last week. We had so much going on. Guys, full disclosure, I recorded the Thursday Night Football segment and I lost it. I don't know where it went to. So I had this analysis. I watched the game last week. It was great. But in the end, it got lost in translation. So if you uh, felt that, if you missed that, you know, you're very perceptive. Thumbs up. If you did it, well, surprise. And it's back this week. So with that, let's just jump right into this episode and jump right into our Thursday Night Football. So let's go over the Gardner Minshew show. They should just let Jacksonville play all of their games on Thursday. It's like a sitcom slash drama all in its own. I would love to watch that over whatever NBC showing on Thursday. Um, but it was another interesting game. Oh, so frustrating if you're a Tennessee Titans fan. Um, the, the Titans were on the road in this one, and they lost 7-20 to against Jacksonville. Now, there's a lot of things that jump out because it's one of those things, and I'm sorry if my voice fluctuates in and away from the mic. I'll try to be better about that, guys. But listen, you watch this, and it's frustrating. It's frustrating for me because I, went, I go into this game, and you think that you have a game script figured out that makes sense. Um, and in my mind, I assumed that this game was going to be all about a couple of things. The Tennessee defense showing up, and on the other side of that, um, Henry, Derrick Henry, um, controlling the game on the ground. So I thought, you know, <clears throat> if I were to play a one-game slate, which I didn't, maybe I would stack those two and try to build around that. Maybe bring it back with the kicker, some other things, right? But as the game unfolds, you know, my sort of, um, I guess, top performers would not have been. Jacksonville jumps out to that 14 and nothing lead, and that was the, the a large part of the game. The meat of that game was spent at that 14 to nothing point. And it was just a snoozer. I mean, you had so many penalties. Tennessee got nine penalties on their own. I think TB12 on Twitter said, you know, I'm turning this game off or whatever. And of course, the reactionary league, we get a whole quarter with no penalties. Oh, but they're, it's it's random though, right? Anyways, um, you know, it was kind of a snoozer because Tennessee can't matriculate the ball down the field on purpose over and over again when they need to. That is the basis of offense in football, in the NFL, being able to repetitively move that and having your opponent have to adapt to that. Tennessee cannot do it. 
there were there were so many flags um and you know you look around it on paper it's easy to say well Mariota wasn't terrible he got 300 passing yards but he didn't have a touchdown I think he had the one interception you know Derrick Henry he ended up salvaging a little bit of his day with the touchdown but he was not effective on the ground um Jacksonville What's worse is when you think 14-0 for most of the game, you're probably thinking, oh, okay, maybe they scored one of those as a defensive touchdown. You know, we were kind of just playing that ball control. No, Fournette had negative yards up until the big run, you know, the 60-some yard run. So that wasn't it. Jacksonville's defense has scored two passing touchdowns from Gardner, Gardner Minshew. That man right there. Mama, that's a bad man. He is in his own, and I kind of like the comfortability when he's playing. We talked about this before, but they're keeping it light with them. You know, the coach doesn't seem to be overly aggressive in the conversations. I'm looking at the way that they're looking at each other in the eyes when they're communicating, and there's some trust, and there's some rapport there, and there's some comfortability there. I don't see nervousness. It doesn't seem like he's shaking in his knees. You know what I mean? And that is, if you want to know what I'm talking about, something that you can check out. It'll be on display this Sunday with Mason Rudolph. That's what it looks like when the moment is too big for you. Gardner Minshew looks big enough for that moment in Jacksonville. And it's nice when the crowd's behind him, the coach is behind him. It's an interesting, this is why I say it's just a Thursday sitcom. It's an interesting little show they got going on there. But the Jacksonville defense this showed up. I'm sorry, Mariota's just a bum. This dude is, you know, a dumpster fire. It's, he's an abortion on the field. Whatever you want to call it, it's not fun to watch. It's probably not fun to play with. You guys know what I think about oh mr um cilantro himself aka Corey davis there's just not a lot to love about what's going on there and so many times i mean this is a team that is snuck in the playoffs this is a team that uh has beat new england this is a team that you see them beat the pants off of the browns and you think that that's the team they are and then they do stuff like this play the way that they play this thursday and they show you who they really are and then it becomes the point of consistency. You have a coach that knows how to beat New England, but you guys got to learn how to beat everybody else. You need a better quarterback who can deliver when the pocket's clean. Let's not even talk about when the pocket breaks down because there he's not the only one. There's other players in the NFL when the pocket breaks down, there's nothing that they can do about it. it, it it's just over, right? We know there are guys like that. Zerbisky. <clears throat> but Let's talk about when you get the clean pocket. This dude can't do anything still. And that's a problem right there. Mariota doesn't run enough to make that be a marquee effective thing that gets him over every week like Vic. And he's just not effective enough passing, although he's got a few more weapons this year in Humphreys and A.J. Brown, the new rookie receiver. It's just not mattering that much. So, you know, pedestrian night for them. Now, on the other side of things, you know, we want to play devil's advocate. We'll have to say that, of course, it was a divisional opponent. They see each other twice a year. They're going to play each other tough. And Jacksonville was obviously at home. But say what you want to say. We thought they were supposed to be a better team. And obviously, they are not. So that division is still wide open. Interesting night for both teams. We'll see where Jacksonville can go from here in terms of bouncing back. They need to find and establish some consistency in the running game moving forward now here's the positive point for them you got 10 days that's almost two weeks it's gonna feel like they got a bye week now you got to get yourself right 
make sure Fournette's ready, make sure the O-line, you know, you know, tape up any of those little nicks and bruises because you got to get ready to roll. You got to come out of that bye week having exposed Minshew to more of the offense and he has to be able to replicate more of it successfully, quickly, 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 excuse me, on the field. Um, on the other side of things, as we end up our little look at Thursday Night Football, look, Tennessee, it's not the end of the world, but it is a big down south point in your trajectory. Now your arrow's pointing down. I personally have a suggestion that I don't think they will do, but I think they should. You need to see about Tannehill at this point. See, this is things change from week to week. His value this week is more. Okay, his value this week is more because the Jets don't have a quarterback and their new head coach was a proponent of Tannehill in Miami, who was his starter when nobody else wanted it. So there's a guy they could trade for. But you also have a need for him in Tennessee. I've seen I'm a Dolphins fan. You guys know this. So I've seen him come in. And he can get 200, 300, you know, push it, get the yards. You know, we've seen him beat New England. He is a better quarterback than Mariota, in my opinion, even though he has no running upside. So he makes bad decisions, too. It's just pick your poison type of a deal. But that's a look at this Thursday night football game. Housekeeping, me fluff pillow, me fix your team. All right, now it's time for that segment that everybody loves. I think this is becoming my favorite now. I used to love the reload the most because it's so action packed, in my opinion. But this is a really, really important part of what we do here at the process is talking about these these notes this housekeeping because let me tell you it's frustrating some of the stuff that we go through over the week and we got to hash it out so um let me just jump right into it because we got a lot we have so many more notes this week than we usually do so let's go first thing let's talk about what do we do if we're owing to so this first note is for you you got out the gate you thought you had a good draft for whatever reason you are sitting at 0 and 2 maybe you you know you face the guys that have scored the most points or you got injuries or whatever the case so i'm asking or i'm answering this question directly for you what do i do if i'm 0 and 2 you stay the course you continue the process there's nothing to flip out about yet how can you run away from what you've been doing already there's literally not even enough data for me to start throwing statistical numbers at you guys a lot i mean there's some information we can look at but there's not a lot to correlate yet after just a few, there's only been two games so if you are owing to my advice to you is to don't be so reactionary that you go and jump off a cliff and ruin the rest of your season it seems like that is our job as fans we are to be reactionary that's what we do there they have a whole industry based off of our reactions each and every thing the whole antonio brown thing shows you that the way that people want to react to each and every piece of information and claim that they know exactly what's going on even though the news cycle is going to change in five minutes so 
you know, depending on your propensity to just be over ramped up by that stuff, let me just say, relax. If you're 0-2, it's not the end of the world. You can still make the playoffs. You can still do a whole lot of damage. You still got the whole season ahead of you. And I'm, and I'm just walking you back from the cliff. I'm just saying step away from the cliff. Okay. Now, second question. What do we do if we have the least points? Now, you, my friend, are in a different place. You need to start worrying about something real quick because this is you know your fantasy football league it's not the nfl but we know how these trends go right no team starting zero and two and making the playoffs a lot of the time you know no team we know in the nfl no team that you know doesn't get a first round by has a real good chance to go to the super bowl you hear me chicago bears so anyways what do you do if you have the least points you don't sit on your hands that's for the 0-2 dude, because you got to understand that those are two different problems. There are people out there who will be second in scoring, third in scoring right now, and they're 0-2, and they're like, what do I do? Nothing. It's the points. They will regression, right? We all know what that word regression is, right? That's where things will reduce back to what they are on average and so if you are just tallying off the points and you happen to have two bad matchups against you know the only other person who's high up on the point total like you then you don't have to worry about it you're going to have what we call positive regression to the mean that's a really important thing to understand really different if you have the least points i encourage you to make a move if you have the least points, you need to start to mentally divest yourself from your best player so that you can prepare yourself for what life looks like if you go offer that player up for trades because you need more good players than what you have currently. So I hope that makes sense. You have a player in mind that you just love and in your mind, I promise you, as you listen to this, you think he's untouchable, but you are 0-2 and it's because you have the least points probably. Now, if you are not 0-2 and you have the least points, you're still in the same scenario. You could have had, you could be, you could be one and one because maybe um, one week you had a lot of points and then in the second week you had like the least by far, right? So I'm just saying the second question is specifically for somebody with the least points. Hopefully you are one and one. That's great. If you're two and zero, I I don't even know what to do with that. But uh, look, the bottom line is the same. You need to do something and it's going to be trades. And I'm telling you, it's trades, guys, because it's too early in the season. The better people are not on the waiver wire. If they were there, we would have drafted them. That's the leftover trash. Stop sifting through the trash. Stop wasting your wire um, uh, placement on the trash. We want to use it strategically. We want to always be number one uh, in terms of waiver wire placement because we don't have to jump at everything because the guys that we know we need are on somebody else's team and then when something is obvious on the wire we got the number we got the waiver wire placement right so we can just hop right in i hope those two differences um you know have made themselves explained in your mind in terms of understanding you know what is what they're not the same scenario so i hope i was very clear about what to do if you're zero and two versus what to do if you have the least points and how you can fall somewhere in between there 
you are following the process so you got to buck up it's nothing to be upset about season ain't over you are still well within this game and it just means you got to roll your sleeves up and you get to do the fun part of fantasy football for the rest of us who are riding that first place wave it's going to be boring because we did all the work ahead of time and it worked out and yada yada but hey i'm envious you get to go in there and grind a little bit so don't shy away from it you got to lean into that feeling all right now the next thing is you want to maximize all your roster spots here's what i mean by that i told somebody this week i said yeah and i usually carry you know a couple more roster spots than everybody else in the league and they go well how do you do that you're the commissioner that's not fair you give yourself more roster spots nope i don't give myself more roster spots we all have the same we're all allotted the same amount however i will have on average three more roster spots than you and this is why that is you have to be proactive so let me be the one to tell you there are three spots that people don't pay attention enough to okay and you oh wait wait no before i go there let me talk about maximizing the roster spots people carry two defenses two tight ends two quarterbacks listen why are you carrying yeah thump down the notebook because it's frustrating why would you carry two quarterbacks when your bye week is in week 11 and it's week two it's week three now why would you carry the second quarterback for nine weeks when another person in your league who's also dumb enough to carry two quarterbacks his bye week's in week seven so guess what he's going to use his bye quarterback and in week seven do you guys think that he's going to carry that other quarterback anymore now that his main guy's onto the bye no he probably won't he'll he'll drop him then probably that's what a lot of people do maybe he keeps him he shouldn't but either way people think they're being savvy by dropping him after the bye you know they oh i would never keep two quarterbacks for the whole year just for 12 weeks like a dummy no don't do that that's the first thing you got to understand I'm not going to have a problem winning on that severe bye week because, as I said, if he drops his dude in week seven and my bye is in week 11, oh, okay, then I can go get his sec that dude in week seven or week eight, you know, after he drops him, I only carry him for a couple of weeks. Isn't that better than carrying somebody for 12 weeks that you admittedly have no intention of playing? Why would you carry a person on your team that you have no intention of playing? if he was not a direct handcuff and the backup quarterback is never a direct handcuff to the quarterback so it doesn't make sense i can't recommend to continue to use a roster spot like that so if you carry two qbs and this is somebody who has endured you know injury at the placement it doesn't matter because see right now on your waiver wire is andy dalton is he the best quarterback in the league no but is he going to be sufficient if we need him yes is he going to get us through a week or two if we need him? Yes. I even have AJ Green. So, I mean, definitely I would want to look for that um, stacking connection. That would be great. And he's just out there. Nobody's clamoring for him. I'm not fighting for it. And you know what? If my bye week comes up and he's not there, so be it. Someone else will be there. That's the big point that everybody needs to start to understand and operate knowing that you don't have to carry two quarterbacks and you're hurting yourself two defenses same way you are carrying a defense on the because you want to stream them from week to week maybe this one maybe that one but guys I'm, i promise you 
You don't need to carry two defenses to stream a defense. You're just doing that because you're scared. You're dipping your toe into the big boy water, but you won't just cannonball in. If you want to stream, don't do it by carrying two defenses. Like you gotta, if you want to stream, stream for real. Just every week, go pick something up. I got the Tampa Bay defense this week because they're playing the Giants. That's the only defense I have on my team, guys. I don't. Have, I didn't hold on to Houston. They're not sitting there. No, I don't. It doesn't matter. No defense is performing that well right now. Now, if you got the Bears or whatever, you want to hold on to them. That's great and that's fine. And you play them each week and you hope that they're a tough matchup because they will be. But if you don't have one of those top two, three defenses, and you're like me don't hold two of them that doesn't make sense that's not how people think about it so now we've talked about two extra roster spots that you'll give yourself if you commit to just one defense and one quarterback the other one is the tight end stop carrying two tight ends and it's the same thing my guy is going to go and buy or this guy may perform better the tight end position if you're not getting one of the top three to five guys it drops off there's no point there's no point if you have tight end six or down there's no point to carry two of them there is no point if you have tight end one through five why would you want to carry one of the duds there is literally no point to carrying two tight ends you got to stop doing it so if we commit to stop carrying two of all three of those you've given yourself back three roster spots now all of a sudden it doesn't look as crowded down there does it so you can start to play offense with your roster see you got we got to get y'all to the next level man we got to stop with this 1998 cracker jack strategy we got to get y'all to the next level and a part of the process here is having you understand once we master maximized all these roster spots so now okay i've got plus three roster spots what i need to do is in addition to that start to pay attention to some roster spots that people don't pay enough attention to that's where I was going before. Three roster spots I got in mind. Number one is the defense. Like I said, just stream it from week to week. Don't play, you know, the Houston Texans every week because that's the ones you drafted. I dropped them. And I'm playing Tampa Bay this week. Will I play them next week? No. They'll have a different matchup. There's going to be another team there to stream. I promise you there's a defense every week. Every time that game locks on Sunday, there's a defense on the waiver wire that, that scored double-digit points usually. Yeah, so I'm invested every week. That's defense. That's one. Another spot people don't pay enough attention to is the kicker spot. Um, you have a couple names that you think are good, and outside of those names, you don't. You, you know, you just leave it alone. But guys, go in there every week. Check actual fantasy points, not projected or any of that stuff. Check actual fantasy points accrued, and you look at who is kicking butt. You want to look at things like pairing that kicker with that defense. See, you got to get a next level strategy, bro. Get out of the dark ages with regards to how you look at managing your team. You can do something like stack your kicker and your defense in season long, especially when we're talking about streaming this stuff, right? If your kicker's not doing anything, you're getting a guy to score you two and three every week. You know, that was me and the Green Bay kicker. I can't wait on that. There are guys getting 12 points out there. There are kickers on the wire. I'll know this guy's name. He's new, but I know he got double-digit kicks in an offense that can't put up touchdowns to save nobody's life. So why am I going to stay married to a dude just because I know his name? 
and this is all on the heels of the kicking being so terrible last week. Vinny's Terry missed so many kicks over the past two weeks. He missed two, three kicks. He missed so many kicks. He wanted to retire. They've been trying. They try to talk him out of it. It's a day-to-day thing now. Every day they're just praying this dude doesn't say I'm hanging it up forever. And I watched all these games last week. Everybody missed kicks. The, the San Diego Charger um, kicker missed kicks. That's why they lost that game. Phillip Rivers, yes, he threw a touchdown in the end zone, but that was only because they were driving to get back in that game. He didn't trust the kicker, so he took a shot for the end zone when in any other scenario, you literally could play for the sticks along the edge, try to get the ball out of bounds and set up for a kick to win. He had no confidence. So kicker, that's the other one. And if you're in a league with an IDP, individual defensive player spot that is numero one okay let me let that sink in for a second for you that's numero one on the position of guys that people do not pay attention to no one is going to mind the shed every week i have kyle vander esch um from the cowboys and he's in a good matchup this week but he's been producing double digit points or near to it each week so um, but i'm looking at it there are other people that just drafted a name like you know J- like um like what you know what i mean he's been terrible this year for the texans getting a little pressure here and there but statistical wise points wise for us he's been terrible you have to from week to week take a look at those matchups because that is the gold mine position if you somehow came up with a defensive player that could consistently get you five points and you had a kicker that could consistently give you five points right and you had a defense because you streamed that consistently got you five points as opposed to the zeros or the negative that you may get by not paying attention to some of those spots that's a guarantee plus 15. So you're starting each week plus 15. And you're starting each week plus 15 with new roster spots because you cleaned up all the extra stuff that you were carrying. So those are really important notes right there. Guys, I know housekeeping is getting long this week, but we had a lot of dirt under the rug. So take that for what it's worth because we got to move on right now to the next thing. This is the fourth topic and it's big. We're going to continue Trade Gate 2019. If you listened last week, you know, in one of my leagues, and, I th- and we're going to make the league public. I asked some of the fellas. Nobody objected this week. So I'll make it public viewable this week. So you guys can actually view our fantasy league on the Yahoo app. You'll be able to go in there. You can't make changes or additions or adjust anything. But you can review our teams and review you know, the statistics and all of that. But to continue forward, you know, I got to go right back to the person who says, you know, oh, well, okay, maybe I shouldn't have vetoed the trade, but you guys could just do it next week. It doesn't hold up. It no longer holds up. He doesn't want to do it anymore. He's feeling a certain kind of way because of the way that you all reacted to the trades. Antonio Brown's not a Patriot anymore. This is exactly why you can't just say from week to week that, oh, okay, well, you know, you vetoed last week. We'll just do it in this week. No, you got to be on the ball. We got to separate ourselves from the pretenders, the people who maybe have won a league one time a bunch of years ago and think that that's just how you still roll. That is not it. So to continue this moving forward, that trade that I sent to um, that the, the 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 team, I think it was Ridley Ridley me this, I think it was. But listen, I sent them the trade that we talked about last week. If you didn't hear, go back. You can see it in the housekeeping from last week, but. I wouldn't do it if I was him this week. 
His team gets out of the basement points-wise. They're in the middle of the pack now. He's sitting at one and one. He's got a different trajectory. There are some parts of the trade that can still hold up, but obviously there are others that don't. AB's no longer in New England. I was playing off the chance of it. And this, and they said that I was giving up too much. Last week, they said that I had the unfair side. If we did the trade this week, he would have to reject it because it wouldn't be fair in his favor. This is why you got to shut up if you don't know how to play fantasy football because you can't ruin it for other people. You can't decide because your strategy is so whack that the rest of us should also have to endure through such whack strategies. No, you gotta step your game up. We can't teach you fantasy football. We're your opponents. If this is what this podcast is for, and that's even people in my league, if you need to you know, step your thing up, Check it out. Listen to it. At least give yourself another way of thinking about it. Something to leverage your thoughts on. And that's like on the most serious tip that I can give anybody that I know or don't know. But this whole aversion to trade, like that's over. That's over. This was a whole debacle based on just, you know, looking at names on paper and being afraid of it. So, you know, to continue that forward, this guy, they they thought he was a sucker, you know, for trying to do this trade with me. And so... Oh, he would give up Mahomes. So then people start sending him dummy trades all week. Like just just BS trades. Like, oh, I'm gonna send him, you know, this, you know, wide receiver two for Mahomes and see what he says. Guys, stop. Everyone, stop. Like, this makes no sense. Like, there's a right way to play and there's a wrong way to play. And I love nothing more than kicking the teeth in on people that want to play the wrong way, the sneaky way, the coward way. Like, step your game up. Do research. Look at it on your lunch. Don't know what to tell you. But that sort of stuff will never win, especially when there are people in the league that are clever. Look, let me tell ladies, <laughs> no projections is clever. No projections is very clever. I can't go to him and talk about a trade without him knowing what my intentions are. Like, y'all just got to step your game up. There's a different tier operating inside of the league. There are people that think they know what they're doing. There are guys that actually know what they're doing. There are dudes that are trying to get stuff done. There are dudes that are looking to get stuff done doing trades. But all in all, I hope everybody's having fun. And this is why I say if you're not a part of that league and you're just a listener, go. we want you to view it when it's public because this is fun. There's some animosity. There's some, there's some wins. There's some losses. It's great. Fantasy football stinks when it's quiet, there's no messages, there's no nothing. So I like it. I love talking about it with you guys every week. And I love that people care enough to kind of do these dastardly things and stuff like that because it's all for the glory, baby. So, you know, in that sense, we want to end that trade gate talk on a high note. It's so fun. But as we come out of it, I think it's funny because in that league, the dust is settled now. Now everybody kind of has a little bit, we're kind of side-eyeing each other a little bit more. Everybody's got a little bit more respect for the savviness of all the other people. But man, I don't think I'll ever have a bigger trade that will never be. And I will just always kick myself when I think about what could have been, you know, getting, I would have called myself the master of all time, having shuffled away AB. for Mahomes, essentially. Um, it was almost the best thing in the world. So, you know, now I can pull that off though I want to. And uh, and this was a trade they vetoed because they said it wasn't fair to me. So that's fantasy football, folks. So let's move on with our next target um, here in the housekeeping. And let's get this dirt from out under the rug. Um, 
there is usually one team that starts 0-2 and makes the playoffs. Do you guys know that? So I'm saying that to say, just like in the NFL, don't get too nervous yet. You could still do this thing in fantasy football. It's not the end of the world, but you can't be all cross-armed about your players. You got to make those trades. You got to get off your butt. You got to do that stuff, right? So just something to think about. I just want you to think about that one thought. There's still some daylight for you. Okay. Next up, um, I want to talk about quickly a trade that somebody um, told me was presented to them this week and it's it's an interesting one and this is when we this is what we talking about right here this is what we talking about right here a guy gets offered um john john brown for stefan diggs and he's thinking about doing it and it's like you know what this is this is really good that right there is called people know what they're doing because you want to look at See, Diggs is on, this is the marks of a good trade. You got one guy who is a known commodity, usually producing, not so much right now in Diggs, right? So his outlook is pointing down. John Brown, his outlook is pointing up. He's having the best production of his um, short career thus far. So trying to leverage your name for somebody that is, you know, um, playing at a really high level right now that's a really smart thing to do saying hey i'll give you this dude who's obviously throwing down right now and i'll take your guy off your hands who's obviously doing nothing kirk cousins looks like he's going nowhere so to the average fantasy football player it's like yeah Diggs is a bust because he's been a bust but we know it's not we don't we're not playing what happened we're trying to play what will happen and what this trade suggests is that the dude trying to get digs understands what will happen and that's regression to the mean he has to regress back to what he normally does is digs normally good or is he normally bad he's normally good so his production will have an uptick as he regresses back to what he normally does so it's a nice way to sort of say i'll give you a hot thing right now you can cash in on these points right now especially if that person's been losing right you you're offering them immediate gratification for somebody who hasn't scored very much at all so i like that i thought that was interesting i don't think either side wins or loses right there because it's all about like we just talked about the ab stuff it's week to week what that outlook looks like you know and we can't you know we can't see into the future we don't know what week seven holds so for today right now Man, that's a savvy little trade. All right, now, second to last note here. You guys have extra space on your bench. You can, like if you're in one of those leagues that you have a whole lot of space, like you've been doing the stuff we were talking about in terms of maximizing your roster and you've got your handcuffs and you just got some space left, you guys can lock up other players, you know, as a, as a formal strategy too. You know, don't veto trades, but you can do this. Look, have you thought about ever... If you have additional spots, you can, you know, claim waivers on guys that you just want to claim so somebody else doesn't have them. And then you can drop them back once you get them because they can't be picked up in most league formats. They can't be picked up again that week once they've been picked up once and dropped like the next person can't get them until the next Wednesday. So as a formalized strategy, if you like you have extra roster spots. Maybe you don't need this position. You've got it covered, but you know other people are clamoring for it. You want to put the roadblock up. 
yeah, you can put in several claims for several different guys. Um, so maybe that's one thing that you want to think about in terms of just a longer chess strategy. Okay. Um, and then the other thing I want you to think about is the veteran practice strategy has started. So if some guy's like a vet, he's been in the league for a while and they say he's not practicing, this isn't the same as before where it's like, oh man, he might be hurt. They just got, they rest the guys. Okay. So don't read too much into it. Um, you know, sometimes it's just going to be giving this dude a rest and nothing more. So those are our housekeeping notes for week three we had a lot i think that's probably our longest housekeeping section ever but we needed to go over everything and we'll continue to address trade gate and any other sort of um of my league stuff like that here in the housekeeping section but hopefully you enjoyed it this week and um we'll see you in, see 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 what next week holds for housekeeping Let's play a round of Would You Rather. Okay, time for another round of the new and improved Would You Rather. And each week, guys, I promise I'll get a little better at speeding it up and carrying it forward. It's just hard to transition from how slowly I used to do it before. But I'm going to you know, make it clearer. I understand it was a little lower last week, so Lego. First up, would you rather Alvin Kamara or Aaron Jones? And I would rather this week Alvin Kamara. They just have to run things through him. Um, the Packers do not have to run things through Aaron Jones, even though he's been getting a lot of run lately. He's been doing well against some pretty decent defenses. Just less less uphill battle. Alvin Kamara or Le'Veon Bell? Uh, in this one, I will say that I do like... Le'Veon Bell, just because they, you know, the Steelers are going to rely on him more. They have their that that backup QB, Mason Randolph going or whatever. So I just, I feel like they'll have to lean on him a little bit more. Okay. DJ Moore or Marquise Brown? Now in this one, I'm going to say looks like Marquise Brown to me. Um, he's in a decent spot. I know that um, he's been producing. We'll talk about that a little bit later. He should continue to produce this week, but DJ Moore is not in a terrible spot either. It's just that the efficiency in Seattle, we know that there's just not a lot of football to go around, so I'm just going to say Brown. DJ Moore, Mark Andrews, I'll say Mark Andrews for, for the very same reason. There's just more football to go around, and there's going to be more um, explosion, I think, in that game, and by that game, I mean um, the Kansas City game, so Mark Andrews. Tyler Boyd or DJ Moore? Interesting. And I will have to go with. I'll say I'll actually say Tyler Boyd in this one. Um, yeah, we'll go with Tyler Boyd in that one. Okay, next up, Tyler Boyd or Marquise Brown. Then I'll have to switch back to Marquise Brown. Um, Tyler Boyd or Mark Andrews. Um, I'll go with Mark Andrews. Odell Beckham Jr. or Aaron Jones. Oh, it's an easy one. Odell. I would go with him. Wait a minute. The Browns are facing the Rams on Monday night. Nope. Aaron Jones. Sorry. Aaron Jones. I was wondering why that one was in there. Yeah. Aaron Jones. Okay. Odell Beckham Jr. or Devontae Adams. I got to go with Devontae Adams. Dude was just um, shadowed by Xavier Rhodes. And he basically sunned him all afternoon. So I don't think he'll have a problem uh, this week either. 
Um, and I know that he's probably going to get some good shadow coverage from Chris Harris, but, you know, so be it. OBJ, on the other hand, he's going up against a tough Rams team, and I don't think there's going to be a whole lot to do for him. George Kittle or Marquise Brown, great um, choices there. And I'll probably just go with Marquise Brown just because of the quarterback um, difference there. George Kittle or Josh Gordon, I'm going to go with Gordon. I think they can get behind that Jets defense this week. Should be interesting. Uh, George Kittle or Mark Andrews, I will go with Mark Andrews. Again, Just this is more of a, um, a volume play in my opinion. Uh, let's say Julian Edelman or Tyler Boyd. I'm gonna go with Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman or Marquise Brown. I'll go with Marquise Brown. David Johnson or Chris Carson. I will say Chris Carson only because, although I was down on him and down on his fumbles, as we'll talk about later, there's been a little bit of an injury to Penny. So Carson. David Johnson or Alvin Kamara interesting and i will say um i do he's not on the injured list and so i'll probably go with david johnson david johnson or Le'Veon bell david johnson he's in a decent spot um marquise brown or josh gordon i'll go with marquise brown marquise brown or mark andrews i will go with um ooh, that's a tough one and uh, i gotta go with marquise brown marquise brown or christian kirk I will go with Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown or Mike Williams. I'll go with Marquise Brown. David Montgomery or On Johnson. Oh, that's a good one. I will go with David Montgomery this week. David Montgomery or Matt Breida. I will go with Matt Breida. Amari Cooper or Travis Kelsey. I will go this week with Travis Kelsey. Amari Cooper is going to get shadowed by Xavier and Howard. Um, he's a really, really good corner. He's going to shadow him. That's like the only good player left of Miami, so I'll take Kelsey. Amari Cooper or Marlon Mack? So, yeah, I'll go. I'll just stick with Marlon Mack there. DeAndre Hopkins or Julio Jones? Um, DeAndre Hopkins is going to get some shadow treatment this week as well. Um, and so I And we'll talk about that in a little bit. I don't think that he can't, you know, there's a chance he can still go off, of course. But I just think the path to victory or to success, I should say, is a little bit easier for Julio this week. So I'm going to have to just go ahead and go with Julio. Okay. DeAndre Hopkins or Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, in that case, I'll say DeAndre Hopkins, even though they're both in tough matchups. Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook. I think McCaffrey can still get it done. Um, but we'll see what the game script looks like. Um, Dalvin Cook, I'm going to go with him. Christian McCaffrey or Austin Eckler? Oh, that's an interesting one. And I would say for this week, let's see, the Chargers. I'm trying to think of who they, oh yeah, they got the Texans. Eh, you know what? I'll go with Eckler. Okay, Sammy Watkins or Michael Thomas? Let me get Sammy Watkins just for this week. Sammy Watkins or Juju Smith-Schuster? I'll take Sammy Watkins. Sony Michelle or Todd Gurley? Hmm, interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, you know what? I ooh, that's tough. I'll go with Sony Michelle. Um, Allen Robinson or Tyler Boyd this week, and I will take Allen Robinson's probably going to get shadowed by Josh Norman, so I'll go with Tyler Boyd. Tyler Lockett or T.Y. Hilton? I'll take Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett or Kenny Galladay? I'll take Kenny Galladay. Julio Jones or OBJ? I'll take Julio Jones. Dalvin Cook or Saquon Barkley, Tampa Bay, pretty stout against the run so far this year. Not to say Barkley couldn't do it. 
Um, he really still could do it and probably really will do it, but I'll say Dalvin Cook. All right, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster or T.Y. Hilton. Interesting. I will have to go with T.Y. Hilton. Um, Kenny Galladay or Matt Breda. I will go with Breda. Uh, yeah, I'll go with Breda. No, I'll go with Galladay. I'll go with Galladay. Kenny Galladay or Brandon Cooks. I will say Galladay. Josh Gordon or Christian Kirk. Let me get Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon or Tyrell Williams. I'll take Josh Gordon. Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. I'll take Chris Godwin. They're both, I mean, same receivers, but we'll talk later about why he has a better matchup. Joe Mixon or Devonta Freeman. Let me get Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon or John Brown. Let me get John Brown. All right. That's been our Would You Rather for the week. I hope you guys now understand who I would rather play and have a better idea of who you would rather play. Guys, you can even email us at the, the process at tigerbombsae.com if you want to throw would you rathers at me ahead of time so that you know that I can get it in. And now it's time for the process to reload. All right, time to get down to the nitty gritty with the reload. And the first game we're going to go over is the Bengals at the Bills. So. Bengals at the Bills. Um, Mixon should be back. Should be able to find some balance with the run against this Buffalo defense. Three players have at least 100 receiving yards in both weeks so far. And we're going to talk about that as we go over each one of those players. But the one we're focusing on right now is John Ross. So there's some positiveness there. Both those weeks topping 100 yards. John Ross leads all wide receivers in fantasy points scored so far with 45. But... Listen, um, last year, who was it? Uh, Crabtree. He had the most drops in the NFL last year with 11. Okay. John Ross already has um, a league leading four drops so far in the season. So he's like looking to, he's at a rate that could eclipse that. So I'm just saying that I don't think that what he's doing is sustainable, basically. Um, he dropped seven passes in 2018 already. And he's already more than halfway there. So, obviously, some cause for concern. Um, he has three touchdowns, yes. But listen, again, this, you know, the sustainability of how he's doing this. Let's take a look at these three touchdowns. One he caught on the flea flicker, one was a blown interception, and the third was in garbage time inside the last minute of a blowout. So, when you take a further look at him, it's not something that I want to invest in. Um, and I'm just going to stand pat with A.J. Green when he comes back. So, you know, even for this week, the Bills, we know they're a tougher team in the air. You can uh, traditionally run on them a little more than you can pass on them, which is why they should be able to find some balance with Mixon on the ground when he's back this week. But I would say the trajectory is down a little bit for John Ross. Um, John Brown, uh, week two, that really secured his position. He had eight targets, um, and that was twice as many as any other Buffalo player, and he caught seven of those targets. I know Cole Beasley had 83, and he had a 72 yards, but that's an anomaly for the Cole Beasley. He's not getting 83 yards every week, right? So we can look for John Brown to continue to be a focal part of the offense. That's what we care about. Who are they focusing on? We don't want to be so much involved in the previous results as we want to be married to um, like the production, right? Like who's getting the looks, who's getting the touches, because that is a good indicator of future results. We don't care about the past results. And I hope that makes sense. People will think, well, all we have is the past results. No, what we, we want to take a look at is who's getting the workload. That will help us to see what will happen. 
We just talked about John Ross and how you can have fluky touchdowns and fluky scores, so you can't look back always as an understanding of what will happen moving forward. And once you guys get that drilled in, it's going to make you much better fantasy players. Now, Devin Singletary's out this week, too. He had 10 carries through two games so far, but seven of those have gone for 12 or more yards, including his 14-yard score last week. Scored both weeks. He's out. So now Frank Gore is going to get the run, and the cash games, you definitely got to consider him because they're just going to plot away with him. You know, for whatever his low value is, he can return it this week. Um, I would probably err with him over TJ Yeldon. But I do like the Josh Allen-Josh Brown connection this week against the Bengals. Not the best team defensively. Can be passed on. They got a nice little um, front front four there. So I'd be a little bit leery about trying to run on them. Um, and again, the pass rush is decent, but you have that mobile quarterback in Josh Allen. So that's going to mobilize a little bit of that. This is a game that the Bills should win, but they match up very, very well with this um, with this. Bengal team here and on the other side again as i said um i'm thinking middling rushing numbers i don't see Mixon or bernard going off and ross i would probably fade i think tyler boyd slightly in play play excuse me but i don't have a whole lot of um trust in you know any parts of this team this week and certainly the buffalo defense is in play reload okay our next game is the lions at the eagles and in this one, Tracy Walker, safety for the Lions, he's adding 10 more tackles this week. So he now sits as the number one DB in balance scoring early in the season. That's something that I specifically wanted to mention off the heels of housekeeping, where we talked about leveraging that IDP slot. So I've now started you on your way. I gave you the tip then, and I gave you a guy to look at now, too. Um, not the best defense for on Johnson to face. The Eagles are pretty tough up front, uh, pretty stout against the run. So not the best week for him, I don't think. I'd also like to fade TJ Hawkinson because they're pretty good against the, the tight end position too. But, you know, Kenny Galladay's in play. Marvin Jones also in play. It's a good spot for Matthew Stafford because the Eagles have gotten off to a, a slow start this year in terms of def- defense. They... Um, are giving up a lot of yards in the air. They're giving up scoring touchdowns. So, you know, again, people may not want to pick on them because they're used to the name and what that's, you know, is supposed to mean. And they, oh, you can't pass on the Eagles or you, or you can't get enough points passing on the Eagles. But no, we can attack this from what we've seen thus far. Remember, the Redskins had them on the ropes in week one, came out swinging on them. So, and they also gave up um, yardage to uh, the Falcons as well. So Galladay's in play, Jones is in play, Stafford's in play. On the other side of things, um, Wentz, we just hope this kid can stay healthy and stay in there. It's a little shaky. It's like week to week. Um, Nelson Aguilar, I think he's going to get the Darius Slay shadow. So I know a lot of people are high on him with Alshon Jeffrey possibly being out. Um, I just hate Alshon Jeffrey. I hate him because... You never know if this dude is playing, not playing. He's just a headache. Just every week, every year, something else. Nelson Aguilar, if he doesn't play, I think he gets that Darius Slay shadow. And he's also going to be highly owned because people just, they, they, they know that the Lions are good against the run and not good against the pass. You can pass against the Lion. This, this game has the potential to kind of have some shootout, if you ask me. But... Most people are thinking they'll get it with Aguilar. Now, maybe for cash games, you could do that fine. But 
I ultimately have some interest in J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I think he's in play along with Zach Ertz. And these are the guys that I want to focus on so I can limit my exposure to um, players that just everybody's going to be on, especially for DFS. Nelson Aguilar is going to be way too popular for me to kind of get with it, I think, even though he's in a decent spot. But it, uh, what I think looks like a decent spot may not turn out to be. Arcega-Whiteside, I'm certainly going to take a dart on. The Lions play... The run on defense and Philly backfield is a muddled mess right now. You can play Howard if you must. If you must, you can play Jordan Howard. Definitely not Sanders for the moment. Um, he will eventually take over this backfield perhaps. But for right now, it's just not looking like those pieces are coming together for him. Now, on top of all this, I just have to state that none of these pieces are preferable if I don't have to. I really don't want to be putting my fantasy life on the line with these guys. The Eagles defense in week three. Uh, or week two has, I'm sorry, going into week three has allowed the second most passing yards in the league. So again, stout against the run, but it's looking mighty, mighty skeptical against the pass so far at this point in the season. I think the home field advantage ultimately will play in their favor. The Lions, um, I don't think this is a disciplined enough team to go on the road and win this one. But like I said, this could be a sneaky shootout, but ultimately Eagles win. Reload. All right, our next game is the Jets at the Patriots. And in this one, Le'Veon Bell, man, um, he'll, be, he'll be, look, he's going to get some, I think he can produce points, but it's going to be because he gets good passing game volume, right, um, in a negative game script. This is just like on Monday where same thing. So he got the check down work from Luke Falk. And granted, it's because Fox just coming in, so he doesn't really know much, is prepared to run much. He has to come in on the fly. Easiest thing to do is to check down, right? So will it be like that again this week? No, he'll probably try to stretch it downfield just a little more. But he knows that he's got a really good receiver out of the backfield. And so I don't think he'll be too afraid to check down if he needs to. Um, Le'Veon Bell, for his part, to make him feel comfortable doing that, has a 100% catch rate and seven broken tackles. So he will be mindful that this guy's back there if he needs them. As far as the Patriots go, we mentioned it earlier. Antonio Brown is out. They don't, you know, there's just no more room. There's so much going on. Ultimately, I don't think anybody was going to let this guy play this year. Um, things were going to keep surfacing, in my opinion, until he sat. So now that he's not getting paid, now that he's not playing, I think we'll start to see all these allegations go away. Just IMO. Now, Josh Gordon back in play. The Jets, we know from our talk a few weeks ago, they have a slow secondary. That's not something we need four weeks to figure out. We can time them. They're slow. We know we can burn them over the top. We took advantage of this when John Brown played against the Jets. So we want to take advantage of this with Josh Gordon today. He's a big, he's a tough, he's a physical receiver. He should be able to gain separation. I think he is in play this week and ultimately with with the exit of of a b you got to try to think about is there anybody else that could ultimately be back in play with new england and um guys i gotta i gotta tell you i'm blanking there's a wide receiver oh, hopefully it comes to me i'm thinking for new england that is back in play now that had a little connection with brady um and i just can't think of his name right now i'm sorry guys it's not I'm not talking about Edelman. I'm not talking about Gordon. The, uh, it's the other guy. It's the other guy. They have 23 state receptions. I'm very sorry. I can't think of his name. Anyways, um, Sony Michelle looks more like a plotter, right? This is like slam it ahead. He's got 36 attempts so far, um, but not even one missed tackle. So 
And he's like the only player with at least 15 touches to have like no missed tackles. So they're just plotting it for, plotting it for, using him to wear teams down, right? That's the strategy with him. When they have blowouts, the two blowouts, Rex Burkhead's get 13 carries and 10 targets. So I think, you know, it's one of those things to where if they become, if they if they are heavily favored in the game, he has more upside, basically. Um, the other thing about it is the Jets. We know they like to use Crowder out the corner, the staple of Gaze's offense. It's been successful so far this year. But we want to be mindful of what's going to happen because um, Jonathan Jones, who plays slot corner for the Patriots, has been playing some really, really good football. And this team has not given up a touchdown yet. The Patriots, um, every other team has given up at least two. So, I mean, they have been stout on the back end. I don't see any reason why they would falter this week. Um, I even like the Patriots defense again at the score 37 against Miami. They won't put that much up, but they're in another good spot against another weak team with the third stream backup. So we like New England for cash game defense. Lock it in. Reload. All right, our next game is the Raiders at the Vikings. And, man, just we, we thought these two teams were going to be better than they turned out to be. So here's going to be the key to this game, in my opinion, because Kirk, you know, the Vikings go as Kirk Cousins go. When they can get it done on the ground and minimize the exposure to him, they have a much better chance of being successful. The more he has to do, the less it appears that it's going to work out for them. So this, so the key to this game is what's going to happen when, when they're on offense. And it's interesting to note that Benson Mayoya has collected four sacks already for the Raiders. So the edge rush is, is trying to be real for, for the Raiders. Now, the thing is, it's the pressure. Cousins has been bad, but he's also been under pressure. What do I mean by Cousins has been bad? Um, there are 42 quarterbacks with at least one pass attempt so far this year. Of those, Kirk Cousins ranks 42nd in pro football focus passing grade. So, yeah, not great, guys. Now, here's the other part. Nearly 50% of the Vikings passing plays have resulted in pressure faced by Cousins. And the exact number is 47.6. But that's the worst mark on all offensive lines so far this year. So he's under pressure. He's under duress. We just said Benson Mayoya been getting to the quarterback. So that's what this game is going to be about, in my opinion. Can the Raiders get to the quarterback? Can the Vikings stop them from getting to the quarterback? Um, and what's going to happen in between? I like Dalvin Cook. Maybe they can offset some of that pressure with um, quick slants, so I like Thielen. I like Dalvin Cook uh, catching screens out the backfield. Um, I also just like him running just in general, and I think that he can have himself a good game. Diggs, I'm a little less, like last week I told you guys I was higher on Diggs than on Thielen. It switches again this week. I'm going to be higher on Thielen than on Diggs. Um, as far as the Raiders go, can't take Josh Jacobs, not against this Vikings defense. Um, I don't want to pick the Vikings defense because they've come with too many surprises this year. But ultimately, um, Tyrell Williams, I'd say probably not going to be in play. Xavier Rhodes, I know he got abused a little bit by Devontae Adams last week. But Devontae Adams and Tyrell Williams is not the same player. So I think he can hold his own again this week and kind of bounce back. And he'll certainly be in that shadow coverage. But I'm going to go ahead and roll with the Vikings. This is a game that you guys have at home. It's a winnable one, so hopefully uh, Captain Kirk can get her done. Reload. Okay, our next game is the Ravens at the Chiefs. And yes, I see a lot of points in this one. The Ravens are playing at an incredible pace through, 
through two weeks. I mean, they're averaging 72 offensive plays across two games. That would be record-breaking if they could continue this. Um, through two weeks, the Ravens and Chiefs have the most and the second most expected points added on scripted passing plays, respectively, with the former generating an outrageous um, number of expected passing um, uh, added points. So basically what all that is saying is outside of um, the Chiefs being held scoreless in Oakland in the first quarter last week, They've scored in the first quarter in 23 games. Outside of that, this team gets out jump. They get out early. Um, the Ravens have also got out early. That's all those statistics are saying. We have two teams that start quick. So what we're thinking is this is going to be a lot of plays in this one. This is going to be a lot of points in this one. Uh, I know that the Ravens have a good defense, but the Chiefs are going to be able to overcome that. The Chiefs don't have a good defense, so the Ravens are going to be able to take this. They're going to throttle this new-look offense and see what they can do with Lamar Jackson. Now, speaking of Lamar Jackson, he's yet to throw a turnover-worthy pass this entire season. Um, he actually owns a 79.2 adjusted completion rate this season, which is good for ninth. Um, it's early, but that's 12 percentage points higher than he was last year. So just getting the job done, getting the ball to the mark. Um, in week two, he became the first player in NFL history to record at least 250 passing yards and 120 rushing yards in a single game. So doing some historic things. And I'm just happy because we've been talking about this all offseason and we expected this. So this is not a surprise to us here at the process. He has 64.4 fantasy points through the first two weeks of the season. And that's fourth most by any quarterback in NFL history. A lot going on there. Now, look, let's take a look at Mark Andrews. Through two weeks, he leads all tight ends in fantasy points scored. Through nine career starts, Andrews has been Jackson's favorite and most productive receiver. Team highs and target share and yardage share through two weeks. Andrews averages a ridiculous 4.68 yards per route run. That would be double whatever the highest rate finished was if he kept that up, just for some context there. Now, he's topped 100 yards both weeks, scored both weeks, and he's one of those three players we talked about so far to have at least 100 yards both weeks. This, you know, so now you know it's him and John Ross. Now, Marquise Brown, in week two, he ran 37 routes. That's 84% of the um, pass plays while leading the team in targets, 13 targets. Catching eight of them for 86 yards. That's what we want to see. 13 targets. Not the 86 yards. That's not the part we care about. It's the 13 targets. So when we talk about not looking at the past to decide what will happen, this is what we mean. We're looking at the future. We're looking at the 13 targets. That is the statistic to take there, not the 86 yards. You could do. You could finish on 13 targets. You won't always get 86 yards. You can get a lot of other outcomes. And I would say on 13 targets, you got a chance of getting 86 yards or better a lot of times. So just giving you guys true context into how we need to be looking at some of these statistics and using them. Now, the Chiefs, um, yes, Robinson was great last week. But look, he only saw six targets. That's half as many as Sammy Watkins. Watkins was Patrick Mahomes' favorite, favorite target last week. He got 12 looks his way. And twice as many as Robinson. So I know people say it could be this one this week. It could be that one that week. But overall, he's still trying to get to Watkins in the slot. The Ravens slot um, cornerback is injured. So Watkins is looking good right now. Traditionally at a spot they give up points to anyway. 
But ultimately, me, I just, I, you know, it's easier to get exposure to um, the quarterbacks, easier to get exposure to Mahomes and trying to pick and guess which one of these receivers is going to do the damage. The reason why we have to pick and guess receivers is Mahomes is now too expensive on DraftKings to just play him. So we need to divest from him and try to land on the dart that will actually hit. So this week we want to suggest Watkins for you. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Chiefs. This game is actually, if you remember, they had a barn burner last year and the Ravens almost won that one. We're doing it again this year, but it's in Kansas City. So I'm going to give them the home field advantage and just say it should be a fun one. It should be an exciting one. I'm hoping a lot of points. Maybe game stack this one on DraftKings. But in the end, I think Captain Mahomes uh, powers the Chiefs to victory. Reload. All right, our next game is the Falcons at the Colts. And look, Devonta Freeman... 22 yards on 11 carries. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do with that. Actually, the last time Devonta Freeman rushed for 100 yards in the game. Actually, the last time he even rushed for 40 yards in the game, 4-0, was week 15 of the 2017 season. Now, Falcons are at the Colts. Coincidentally, week 15 of the 2017 season is also the last time the Colts allowed a 100-yard rusher when C.J. Anderson did it. So they've been stout on the ground for on defense against the run for a while. The Falcons have, Freeman has not been running the ball well for a while. So we like other things. You got to go to Julio this week. You got to go to Ridley this week. Yes, you got to go to Ridley. Calvin Ridley's price hasn't caught up to his production yet. He's averaging 20.5 fantasy points per game this season. So you guys need to get invested before DraftKings starts to figure out what's going on for whatever reason. You know they're playing that, that price because we're not playing him. And on the other side of things, um, Marlon Mack is questionable. So if Wilkins can go, I'm interested. Uh, we know how bad the Falcons are against the pass catching back. Wilkins didn't even play a snap in week one, though. But then he had a team leading 82 yards on, on this past Sunday as the Colts won that game. So we want to keep an eye on the playing time. Um, he did a lot of damage, but he only had five carries and Marlon Mack had 20. So if Mack's going to play, we can't be worried about him. But if Mack doesn't go, then you know what to do. This is a game ultimately that um, I'm going to go ahead and give it to the Falcons, but it's going to be really tough. They're on the road. It is in the Dome. So I'm going to say they can win this road game. But I don't think the Colts are anything to sniff at. I think Brissett can have a better than usual game here. Um, I think that the Falcons passing offense isn't that great. I think that, if especially if Marlon Mack is banged up, they should look to attack. I like TJ, I'm sorry, T.Y. Hilton here. Um, again, the Falcons secondary, not that great. So I would take my chances with Hilton. And maybe in GPPs, I can look for like a Brissett-Hilton little combo for the weekend i may be thinking about putting that together myself reload all right our next one is going to be the broncos at the packers and the broncos has 16 touches sunday for 102 yards and Lindsay had 17 uh i'm sorry freeman has yeah freeman had 16 touches on sunday for 102 yards Lindsay had 17 for 66 so we talked about that the fact that they were just going to plot away with both of these, right? Plot away with both of these, that the Bears had a good run defense, but they, they had two backs that they could throw them at. And they did over 30-some um, attempts, which was interesting. Um, they did exactly what we thought. Now, 
Lindsey doesn't look like he's going to repeat his big rookie year. Freeman's cutting too much into this. So both guys are like desperate low end flex options if you need them. Um, at this point, this week, you got to like the Packers defense a little bit. We got to consider they may not be uh, complete pretenders. But Emmanuel Sanders, he's the number four PPR receiver through two weeks, and he has a top PP, he has a top pro football focus receiving grade with a minimum of nine targets. He's been Flacco's top option near the end zone. He's got four of the team's five targets inside the 10-yard line and three of the team's four end zone targets. He's got 19 total targets through two weeks. So we, just, we think they're just going to try to feed Sanders. So we like that, but we understand that the Green Bay defense has been good. Um, so I think that Sutton is in play also. If they show a lot of attention to Sanders, you could fade to Sutton. So maybe that's the route to go right there. Now, for the Packers, Geronimo Allison, um, he had a five targets and a score. Um, uh, Mar- uh, Valdez Scantling had six targets without a score. So, again, they're kind of middling right there. Um, with week two, Allison had that touchdown, um, but he only played half the snaps of uh, Valdez Scantling. Now, I know they had similar targets, but Scantling was out there for more snaps. He outsnapped Allison 62 to 31, right? That's less, that's like, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's significant. So, yes, he produced. But, again, we want the player that's going to be out on the field for a long period of, period of time. Period of time, period of time. The more opportunity to put together points. So, we want him. Last week, Green Bay kept it pretty even down the middle. 34 pass attempts, 33 rushes. So, you know, Aaron Jones has to be in play a little bit. We know they want to try to keep that balance. He's coming off a brutal couple of matchups. Chicago and Minnesota, but... Looking for another uh, tough game uh, against the Broncos this week. Um, they are eight-point home favorites. So if they can get up um, due to Aaron Rodgers slinging it early, you know they'll probably just look to you know, run it out with him. So Devontae Adams and Scaling led the Packers um, with targets last week, of course. Now, as expected, the Vikings shadowed Adams with Xavier Rhodes. Um, now... Adams had no problem in the matchup. He got seven catches on eight targets for 106 yards. So we know Chris Harris is going to try to track Adams this week. Um, Harris has historically been used as a slot corner, but lately he's been asked to play on the outside more. Um, And he tracked Allen Robinson last week for just over half of his um, routes. And uh, he held them. He limited them pretty well. So, there's going to be tough coverage, but ultimately Adams can get it done. He showed what he can do against Xavier Rhodes last week. It's in Green Bay, so I'm going to go ahead and say, although Fangio is very familiar with Green Bay, um, he's very familiar with how to beat these guys. Having uh, just seen them last year, he knows what they've got, but they've got a new head coach and a new offensive scheme. So going into Lambeau a little bit different, I recommended that they would beat the Bears in what was a wild game last week uh, in Denver, but that was because they were at home in Denver. This one's in Green Bay. We're going to go ahead and go with the Cheeseheads. Reload. All right, our next game is the Dolphins at the Cowboys. And Dolphins are a hot mess right now. We know Rosen, Josh Rosen, is going in. And, you know, through two weeks, the Dolphins have scored the fewest points. They've allowed the most sacks. They've allowed the most interceptions. They've allowed the most touchdowns to opposing defenses. The opposing defenses have put up 50 fantasy points on Miami. 
put that in perspective, Tennessee and San Francisco have tied for the most fantasy points put up by defenses that haven't faced Miami, and they're at 31. So, yeah, not looking great um, for Miami in terms of any matchup ever, any week. Hard to recommend them. We know Rosen is in. One guy I'll tell you to take a look at, Preston Williams. We talked about him and said a few weeks ago that we want to start to kind of keep our eye on him. If you've been doing that, you've seen that he's been productive um, despite everything else that's going on there. So, But that's it. There's nothing else here. I literally can't say Drake or this or that. I, I don't have a lot to tell you about them. We know the Cowboys defense is in play. I'm not going to over assess you know, um, really, really good matchups. Connor Williams, um, I will say for the Cowboys on the line, um, he got repeatedly beaten by Washington on the line. He got multiple pressures allowed, and he was overpowered a lot um, when they were trying to run the ball. So he's going to have to bounce back and have a better week. I think he can this week. Um, so far this year, Dak Prescott really good on the play action, 12.3 yards per attempt, um, 96.3 adjusted completion percentage, and a 157.6 passer rating. All that on play action. So that's going to be the thing. Can they get the run going and then sucker Miami into some play action? The Cowboys have used 11 personnel. So that's the one running back, one tight end, and three wide receiver on 73% of their offensive snaps. That's a lot. Prescott um, has been elite, you know, once again, like because of this package, right? Like passing out of that 11 personnel. He's the second highest graded quarterback and has thrown three big time throws compared to zero turnover-worthy plays. So in this one, though, you can't say everything is going to work, though. It's not the defense balls out and has great points, and he has great points and balls out, and Zeke has great points and balls out, and Cooper, and this and that. What we can really say is this. Xavier Howard is going to shadow Cooper. We know that um, uh, there's some injuries in the secondary for the Cowboys. So uh, I'm going to say next man up, Devin Smith. He has a chance to have a pretty decent game. Ultimately, though, they're not going to need to do a lot to win this one. I do like Zeke Elliott, um, and I would probably just go with um, you could. I mean, I think Zach Witten gets in the box. Does he get a lot of yards? Nope, but he gets in the box. Could he possibly get in the box twice? Sure, he could. He could possibly get in the box twice. Um, but I think that's probably the route to go. Cash game defense, of course, you can go with the Cowboys. I'd probably be going with New England outside of that. But yes, they're in a great spot. They're at home. They should get some turnovers, some points, some sacks. It just, num, 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 num. it looks really, really good in the game that the Cowboys should obviously win. Reload. All right, our next game is the Giants at the Buccaneers. And the Giants, um, they're letting QBs throw for 9.9 yards per attempt. That's second most. Um, DeAndre Baker is part of the problem there. Uh, he's given up 5.33 yards per cover snap. That's really bad. That's really, really bad. And he's given up a perfect passer rating. So basically everything that's coming his way is working out. Eli, they had to sit him. He's 35th in passer rating when under pressure. Completed you know, just three of 17 pressured attempts for 45 yards in a pick. So enter Daniel Jones, and we'll see what he has. You could take a GPB flyer on him if you like. Um, pair him with Sterling Shepard, who looks to come back, I think. Um, but more than most likely, I'm going to stay away from it. I say you could do that because the Bucks have been much better on run defense. Um, but ultimately, Saquon Barkley, I think you can just play him. I, I think that he's matchup proof. And But we do understand that what people think is the Bucks have been really good on run defense. So people are thinking that you know they can be stout. They can kind of put a cap on um, 
what Barkley can do this week. And that's why there's a lot of people taking a few GPP flyers on Jones and, you know, Ingram or whoever. But I'm not going to get too cute with it. Um, I know the Bucks have been decent, but I believe in Saquon Barkley. If you're in season longs, just starting with confidence. If you are in, you know, playing daily, if you want to get contrarian, you can use him in a GPP. But ultimately, that's pretty much it. Now, both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin um, should be, you know, in a good place against this Giants secondary. But um, Janoris Jenkins probably going to shadow Mike Evans. He that doesn't like it's not all the way bad, though. Like he's not the best. Like I'm just telling you what's going to happen. So that's fine. Mike Evans should be OK. But golly, he gets DeAndre Baker like we just talked about. DeAndre Baker is terrible. So that's why I'm like a little bit more interested in Galladay this week even though I think that Mike Evans can still do a good job faced with who he has. Ultimately, this is a game that the Bucks should win. Jameis Winston should have a good opportunity to just keep it simple and get a W at home. I don't know uh, what they're going to do as far as the run game goes. Peyton Barber probably just continues to run ahead of Ronald Jones just a little bit. Um, but they may give Jones those goal line looks. Ultimately, don't play the guessing game, right? You can get exposure to the receivers. You can get exposure um, to this offense that way if you like. But this is a game that the Buccaneers should win. Reload. All right, our next contest is the Panthers at the Cardinals. And, you know, this is supposed to be a, a shootout according to who you ask. Um, Cam is out. Kyle Allen is in. That's one of the reasons why I don't think it's going to be a shootout. But things can't get worse with the backup uh, QB than they have been. I could throw all sorts of bad stats over these past two weeks about Cam out at you. But the bottom line is um, it's not just the arm. It's like something with the foot. So he hasn't been great, right? Um, I don't think this is going to be that shootout, though, like I said. Um, the Cardinals, for their part, they've run 10 personnel like 64% of the time so far this season after nearly not doing it at all in the preseason. So just like we thought, you know, they're coming out guns blazing. Um, and Fitzgerald is the last of those three players that have at least 100 receiving yards in both weeks so far. So... This guy's obviously back in play. David Johnson has yet to face base defense on any of his carries this season. It's because they're running that 10 personnel. So it's like, you know, no tight end, one running back. Basically, they have so many DBs on the field, and this offense is trying to strike so far down the field that that's why it's a good look for him. It's just a mismatch when you look at his skills coming out of the backfield. So, we look for him to have another good week. Um, the Cardinals are still without their top two cornerbacks, Patrick Peterson and Robert Alford. So a little bit of help there for Kyle Allen. Um, hopefully can find some room. But in my experience, what I'm thinking is this is going to be Christian McCaffrey. You can try to assert with him even through the passing game. We know the Cardinals are a little stouter against the run. Um, you know, Samuel. But these guys are not dependable. And against that backup um you know, I guess quarterback, I don't know. Cardinals defense, I have a little bit of interest there. I'd be interested there. I just don't see this as a shootout because of the Kyle Allen thing. Um, on the other side of it, um, I know that the Cardinals take their strikes. We know that. We know that um, Kyler Murray is taking a lot of strikes to the end zone. Um, and only one of those has resulted in the touchdown. But if he keeps going like that, something's going to hit. We know all that's true. But at the same time, I just... Um, you know, it was a hard game to pick, but at the end of the game, day, I'm going to go with the Cardinals because it's at home in Arizona and because Kyle Allen's getting the start. Reload. Next game is the Steelers at the 49ers. And in this one, 
So James Washington, um, he has some connection with Mason Rudolph going back to the Oklahoma State days. He was his favorite receiver there. And as they have, you know, kind of gotten reacquainted, you know, here in camp and stuff like that in preseason, they have some connection there, right? Um, and he, in terms of production and in terms of looks, in terms of routes run, like James Washington, in terms of routes run, moved into the number two spot for the Steelers last week. So big chance for Rudolph to have somebody that he is familiar with and quite comfortable with out on the field out there as he goes to battle this week. The Niners, though, I really like their chances against a rookie quarterback. I like their defense's chances. They've been stout in the air. So this is why I think that it's it's got to be about Connor on the ground. If the Steelers want to have a chance to go on the road and win this one, they're going to have to establish the run. They're going to have to use what their best tools are, and that's establishing the run. And they also need to try to get the ball to the tight end, Vance McDonald, and just stay away from the secondary level as much as possible. Now, for the Niners' part, George Kittle, um, they rushed for 250 yards last game. He was a dominant run blocker, so he made his presence felt. Whether it's like receiving or blocking, he's having a stake in the game, right? He's an all-around player. Debo Samuel led the Niners in targets, receptions, and receiving yards. He had five of seven targets for 87 yards and a touchdown. So they're trying to get the ball downfield with him. We talked last week about how Jimmy G's got to show us that he can get this ball down the field. San Francisco targeted the perimeter with screen passes or with the running game. And Cincinnati's secondary, that that was a big reason why they struggled so much. And the rushing success of the 49ers basically was because they had to play back to kind of, you know, um, help out, I guess, with, with their troubles back there. But defensively through two weeks, the Niners have generated four picks and seven sacks. They're in play as a streamer uh, as long as we're going to see Mason Rudolph. So I don't think that this game much has to happen because I think that that's the side of the game where the ball is going to be determined. And I mean specifically their defense versus Mason Rudolph. So I like their defense this week. I think they keep it going. They can get to 3-0 and in a game that they should win easily. Reload. Next contest is the Saints at the Seahawks. And... You know, the Saints, we're going to go see the Teddy Bridgewater experience as they go up to Seattle and try to get the W. It's been a while since he's been called on, since the starter in Minnesota. But we're going to get to see it. Um, For his part, Coach Payton has been very coy about whether it's going to be Taysom Hill or him. But I think Taysom Hill is more of a gimmick sort of a thing at this point. Um, I'm not willing to invest too much into it. For the Seahawks' part, only three running backs had more fumbles on carries than Chris Carson did last year. And he had another one in week one. Then he added another one in week two. He's got a lot of fumbles going on. And that's why we saw Penny got more carries down the stretch of last game. So when you think about that, in a game where Seattle, we know they want to run, okay? But he, so he's proving that he can't be trusted to hold on to the rock. They're going to insert Penny more until he shows that he can hold on to the ball. But Penny's banged up now. So if Penny can't go, you know what I mean? Like now it switches back to Carson. But I think ultimately you just maybe play Russ. They just put the game in Russ's hands at that point. Disley um, had a really good week too. He caught all five of his targets. He had 50 yards and two touchdowns. And that's nice. That's nice. But he's still getting out-snapped um, by quite a bit by Nick Vanette. And again, we, we don't want to look at what happened. We want to look at snaps and targets and things like that so that we can predict what will happen in the future. 
Lockett's going to get, um, since he works out of the slot, he's going to get, ooh, excuse me, he's going to get primary coverage from P.J. Williams. And that's a good thing for Lockett. They should be able to abuse that. We know the efficiency thing. There's not a lot of production, but they're pretty efficient. So I think he can still score. In a game that we like Seattle, it's just going to be too much, I think, for Teddy Bridgewater. If this was in New Orleans, he'd have a much better chance at winning this game. But going on the road in his first attempt at replacing Drew Brees is going to be a little tough, in my opinion. Reload. All right, next one is the Texans at the Chargers. And, you know, Carlos High has doubled up Johnson and carries through two weeks. I feel bad for the man. He's chasing them all over team to team. They were together in Cleveland, and Carlos High was running ahead of Johnson. It was a more of a... Um, I guess a frustrating scenario for Johnson. He comes here. He's supposed to be the guy. And lo and behold, here comes Carlos Hyde as well. And he's just out touching him. 30 to 15 over two weeks. Now, Johnson still has that pass catching role, of course. But Hyde is making this backfield just impossible for fantasy purposes. I mean, I don't want to be guessing between the two of them. But they're going to um, certainly give both guys a little run this weekend. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be showered by Casey, shadowed by Casey Hayward. So, I'm a little down on him. This game is in uh, Los Angeles, so Chargers should play the Texans a little tougher. Um, you got to like Deshaun Watson, even on the road. Um, as long as he can limit turnovers, I think they're in a good spot. Um, in this one, I, you, you know, Hopkins, he's not going to go for no production. He's just too good to let something like that happen. So he may get slowed down, of course, but that's pretty much it. Um, their secondary is pretty, pretty decent, even without Jerwin James, so... You know, it's going to be an interesting day. Uh, maybe they got to consider balancing it out with the run a little bit more. But ultimately, I'm just not overly, you know, interested in a lot of these guys besides the quarterbacks. Okay. Um, on the other side of things, with Hunter Henry out and Mike Williams at less than 100%, the Chargers really just double down on Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. It doesn't look like they're they're caring about spreading it out. They want to get it to who they know can produce those were the top pass catchers they each had five targets last week so we can look to them for more production this week through two weeks keenan keenan allen has the nfl high almost 40 percent aim target share in the offense so that's really impressive along with a 13.3 average depth of target so he's got 16 receptions on 25 targets all that is just really good all that's just screaming play me this week he's going to get a lot of his roots against bradley roby Really, really, really bad cornerback. So just another thing pointing in his direction. He was shadowed by Darius Slay last week on 87% of his routes. And he still got targeted 15 times. So we know that he's in play because Bradley Roby is not good enough to, to stop um, those types of numbers. And ultimately, I think Houston can go on the road and win this one. They should be able to pull this one out. The Chargers are going to play him tough. And I think that it's going to be it's going to come down to like the last minute or two, but I'll give it to the Texans reload. All right. And then our next one, the Rams are at the Browns and Todd Gurley scored a touchdown on a red zone carry and he was never pulled off the field in the red zone. So, you know, this is something that they want to we want to take a look at. He's back in play. Jared Goff, um, he only had a clean pocket on 56 percent of the drop that dropbacks. Last year, he had about 68% of the time was a clean pocket. So, But we discovered, we talked about last week, that he was having problems when he had more time. So I don't really care that he doesn't have that much time because we know he needs to get the ball out quicker anyway. So he's got to be looking for, you know, Cooper Cup, who's, been, who's gotten off to a decent start. Continue to get him involved. 
Continue to get Gurley involved. I think you can run on this Browns defense. Goal line, you can score on this Browns defense. They're not a consistent football club. Freddie Kitchens is looking to use Beckham as his deep option. Seven of Obel Beckham's targets, uh, seven of his nine targets have been uh, for 10-plus yards. So they're just, you know, looking for him deep down the field. Um, their defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, he has a really blitz-happy defense. And these guys are spending a lot of energy and time trying to figure out what their assignments are. They should play better as they know that stuff. But that's a real issue for right now. They've allowed a... Um, a really high passer rating um, against play action because they just can't seem to get this these concepts right. And we know that the Rams use play action more than anybody else last year. They're a really high proponent of play action. So this could be something to where they look to establish the run and use that play action. So we like Gurley. Um, I like Cooper Cup for sure. Um, and again, I don't mean play these guys in the same lineup for DFS purposes. You know how to stack. If you don't, Go back and listen to our podcast, but you would never do like a running back wide receiver stack like that. Baker Mayfield, he struggled against the cover three scheme this season. So far, all four of his interceptions on 23 attempts have come against cover three. Now, we know the Rams use cover three about 48% of the time. So I do think that, you know, all these things point to a tough week for him. I think it's going to be a tough week for them. And, uh, you know, Chubb, you got to start him in season long. Oh, I, I I would honestly be have a little bit of interest in him and GPPs, but you know they're gonna have to use him to provide a little bit less um, pressure, I guess, for Baker Mayfield because the Rams are gonna be all over him. That's a good secondary, and Joku's out. Yeah, so I think that they gotta look at Chubb. But ultimately, this is a game that the Rams should be able to go on the road and win. Reload. It's our last shot, so we gotta make it good. It's the Bears at the Redskins on Monday night, and. Mitchell Trubisky averaged 4.4 yards per pass attempt. Yuck, that's not good through two weeks now. He only has 348 passing yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. And he's only got 19 rushing yards. So a lot of that is garbage, right? Like he's not really been uh, anything at all like the player he was last year that we knew. Trubisky's throwing uncatchable, inaccurate passes on a 29% of his attempts. That's a lot. That's second most in the league. And he has a really, really low 3% perfect throw percentage. So also, um, that's 31st in the league. So, And he has a pathetic 2.4 yards per attempt and 22.9 passer rating. He's not great right now. He's not great. Um, his passing grade on read, second read throws is 29.9. So we talked about this last year, especially the end of the year, that Trubisky is good on the first read. But if he, has to, if he can't get the first read and he has to look to, you know, after that, it goes down a lot with him. And that's what we're seeing. It's a continuation over into this year. He's dead last when he has to go to the next person. So completing less than 50% of his attempts when that is the case. So, you know, that's the thing. When you play the Bears, take away his first option and force him to make the mistake that you know he wants to make. Terry McLaurin still in play, baby. Seven targets in week one. He got nine in week two. So, again, this is what we want to see. We know he's a part of the offense. But the Redskins, they've done the same thing both weeks. They get out to the lead. They get out with the offense. But they can't sustain it because they're terrible on third down. So the team starts to sputter, right? If they don't get that breakaway score, that quick score, you know, anytime they run into the third downs, they haven't been able to convert that. So um, it's a reason why they haven't been more successful. 
this is a game where ultimately I think the Bears defense will carry them. They can get some work on the ground. They want to try to hide Trubisky a little bit like the Vikings are trying to hide Cousins. But ultimately, they can win this game on the road and come away with two good road victories if they really put their heads into it. But they shouldn't take the Redskins lightly. They're going to show up to play. Keenum's not going to hand it to him. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. But ultimately, you want to pressure them and see what you can get. But I'm going to give that one on Monday night to the Chicago Bears. And that has been our reload segment for week three. So hopefully you now know what I'm thinking in terms of what's going to go down in these games. And the only thing left for us to do is kind of just watch it unfold. Time for the DFS DraftKings main slate picks for this week. We'll give you cash game picks, we'll give you GPP picks, and we'll give you high and we'll give you low picks for quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, defense. Let's go. All right, and finally, let's get down to our DFS picks for the week. So I'm just going to quickly run through these. I'm a little short on every position, really, except for the wide receivers. I got a lot of suggestions for you there, but I'm just going to quickly run through it and get you out of here. So quarterback, Deshaun Watson, $6,400. Josh Allen, $5,900 GPP. Matt Ryan, $5,700 GPP. Matt Stafford, $5,500. Running back. Alvin Kamara, $8,000. Johnson um, from Arizona, $6,800. James Conner, $6,400. GPP. Aaron Jones, $6,100. Matt Breida, $5,400. Josh Jacobs, $5,300. GPP. Frank Gore, $4,400. Cash only, seriously. Moving on to the wide receivers. Julio Jones, $7,300. Keenan Allen, $7,000. Chris Godwin, $6,900. Sammy Watkins, 6,800, GPPs only. Thielen, 6,700. Kenny Galladay, 6,600. Marquise Brown, 5,900. Josh Gordon, 5,400. Ross, 5,100. Emmanuel Sanders, 4,800, GPP only. Curtis Samuel, 4,800. Chris Sutton, 4,500. Will Sneed, 4,200. Danny Amendola, 3,800. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, 3500 And the Patriot I was forgetting about earlier, guys, Philip Dorsett, back in play, $3,400, definitely. All right, moving on to tight end, GPP only. Ertz at the top, 5700 uh, Kittle, 5600 Ingram, 5200 Mark Andrews, 4600 Vance McDonald, $4,300. Jason Witten down at the bottom, $3,700. And you can take a flyer on Olsen as well for $3,700. Finally, for defense, Dallas at the top, $4,300 for your cast games. New England, $3,800. Seattle, $3,200. 49ers, $3,200. My most popular play, I think. And then the Broncos at the bottom, you can take a flyer, $2,600. But those are your DraftKings picks for this week, guys. So make them work for you. Plug them in where you need that price point, and good luck to you. So that's been it, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. Threw a lot of information at you, so hopefully you can use it and you know what to do with it. This is your home to learn, scout, win, repeat. So make it happen, and I'll see you back here next week where we will continue the process. Peace.
The process is brought to you by Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment, LLC.